0: Thank you for joining us for the Military Family Research Institute podcast. I'm your host, Sadie Urquitz. We welcome two military spouses with us today, Josie Beetz and Yvonne Coombs. Thank you for being with us today and providing your perspective as a military spouse. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to be here.
0: Go ahead and introduce yourselves and explain your experience as a military spouse.
1: Sure. So my name is Josie Beats. I uh, married my active duty Army soldier in 2008. We uh, met while we were both in law school. Um, My my husband's prior enlisted, but he um, rejoined the Army after law school as an Army JAG. Um, We met in law school volunteering after Hurricane Katrina. Really, it's rooted in service, right? And so it didn't surprise me when he said he wanted to go back into the Army and serve in the Army JAG Corps. We've lived, obviously, a couple of different places. We started um, at Fort Polk, Louisiana for three and a half years. It's very funny what you learn about the Army when you tell them that your first assignment is at Fort Polk. Um, But (laughs) Fort Polk was very kind to us. We had two wonderful children there. Um, And I was able to work the whole time as well um, as a lawyer, which is my profession. Uh, Then we moved to Fort Campbell, and now we are at Fort Belvoir here in Virginia.
2: Yvonne? Hi, my name is Yvonne Coombs. Um, I have been married to my Army active duty husband since 2000. (laughs) We have lived many places, 12 moves in 18 years, and we're about to move again to Fort Carson, Colorado. Surprisingly, one of our most favorite places that we've ever been stationed is Fort Irwin California which is very similar to Fort Polk Louisiana (laughs) except in the desert and people also cringe whenever you say that you've been there but we absolutely loved it and it was all about the people it's the community that makes it great and really that's what makes this army life so great is the people I have two children um I have a junior in college here at George Washington University and I have a 13 year old seventh grade both boys um both keep me busy. I'm in a house full of testosterone, even a male dog, and
0: um, so, <laughs> so they keep me on my toes and they keep me going. Um, so back to um, being a military spouse, obviously military spouses, they serve alongside the service member. Their commitment and their support often helps the service member focus on the task the military has provided them. What has your experience been on this topic?
2: When we started this army adventure um, for us we always knew that I was going to be the stay-at-home mom and be the constant in the kid's life and my husband was going to be able to plug in and plug out when he needed to I know that that's not everybody's everybody's uh, ideal makeup of how to how to do it but that's what's worked for us and so I've you know I've kept busy during the school hours with lots of volunteering and stuff but I've not found it conducive for me to go and have a career outside just because I have completely 100% thrown myself into into the boys which um, that's just the way that we've made up our that we've made up our family and it's worked for us because I've been able to drop everything when needs be to be there to travel when we lived in El Paso, Texas, 13 hours to watch my son run for less than two minutes, you know, <laughs> because he was a runner in a state track meet, you know. So it's it's afforded us those um, abilities to do those things because we knew that my husband wasn't going to be able to have
0: that, have those opportunities. Thank you for your perspective. But for you, Josie, it sounds like you have the career and, you know, alongside serving with your husband.
1: The word balance gets overused. For us, it really is a balance. I know that there's going to be times where he's not able to come home uh, maybe as planned, right? And I try to talk to my civilian friends about it, and you try to explain that, well, the reason he can't come home is national security. And it just sounds like made up. (laughs) Like, it sounds absurd, but it's true, you know? And you don't always know why, and you just sort of have to be flexible. But, But it's about this balance, right? And it's about... Um, For us anyway, it's a bit about not being afraid to ask for help, so I have relied very heavily on some very lovely neighbors and friends and family who at the drop of a hat have come and helped us so that my husband can serve the mission and that I can do what my obligations were at work or something like that. At the same time, my career has definitely taken a back seat to his. Which was, you know, part of the sort of compromise you go through in a marriage, right? Um, and there have been times where I've asked him to compromise, you know, an assignment that he wanted, or you know, a TVY thing that he wanted that wasn't necessarily compulsory, right? Asked him to opt out of that so I could do something else, and you know, it's it's always it's never easy, but it's always about a conversation between the military member and the spouse. Just to figure out where that balance is. And so um, the give and take and the balance is really how we've managed to make it work, sometimes better than others. (laughs) Um, And then we've also made it clear to the kids, right, that, you know, just like dad, they serve. And that means that sometimes they're gonna have to sacrifice some things. So, for example, my daughter is in third grade. And she had a concert before the PTA meeting a couple of weeks ago. And we got so lucky because my husband wasn't going to be able to come home on time. That just wasn't, he wasn't going to be able to be there by six. It was not a possibility. But our PTA had separately decided they were going to stream that on Facebook, Facebook Live it, right? And so he actually got to watch it on Facebook Live. Now that's different, you know, Um, it's not like he was deployed, which would also be a great tool to have during those periods of time. Um, But even, you know, something little like that, he came home and he was able to talk to her about it. And so they understand that that's because daddy's serving the country, we're all part of this family that serves and is part of that uh, community.
0: So explain your professions a little bit. Um, Josie, I know you said that you're a lawyer, but Yvonne, you run a not-for-profit. Yep.
2: So my whole time as a military spouse, I have been a professional volunteer, (laughs) Um, volunteering in anything and everything I can to one fill time and to also plug into the community wherever we're living and to get back to that community. Our second time at Fort Bliss back at the end of 2015 I, along with four other Army spouses, started a nonprofit. It wasn't a nonprofit when we started it; it was just a happy accident. But <laughs> called Operation Deploy Your Dress, where we collect and distribute gently used and new formal attire and give it to military ID card holders to help offset the cost of military balls and other formal events. We were finding that military balls, specifically, people were being left out of them. These are events that are rich in tradition. That are build camaraderie. There's so much good that happens at these. It's more than just, you know, an adult prom, which some people, yes, they're fun. They're like an adult prom, but there's so much more that goes along with them that we felt that anybody who wanted to attend a military ball should be able to attend a military ball without being left out, and especially not because they couldn't afford it. We started collecting dresses and collected a bunch of dresses. Dresses weren't going to go away, so we then became an official 501c3 not-for-profit, and we are now... um, as of yesterday just launched our sixth location and um, just trying to help as many military
0: families as possible. That's wonderful and congratulations on the growth. That's amazing. Thank you we're very excited.
1: Yeah well and I have to say I am a beneficiary of Operation Deploy Your <laughs> Dress <laughs> and world. have my dress hanging in my closet right now. I love it it's such a great program but it's also really fun to go to one of your pop-ups you know and you get to meet um, all sorts of spouses and I walked into the pop-up that you had here at AUSA in Arlington and it was like old home week like all my friends there were a bunch of friends who were volunteering (laughs) and then there were others who were there you know trying on a dress and it was it's just such a really wonderful community building piece in addition to the ball itself. So thank, thank you,
2: you for, for that. saying that because that is definitely what we go for. We wanted it to be a fun experience, but we also wanted it to be more than just we're giving somebody a dress. We are hopefully building up a community of of people around this, people who are distributing the dresses The civilian population who's sending the dresses in for us to distribute, you know, we say that we're deploying America's patriotism one dress at a time, and we hope that we are living that as well.
1: Um, So, as I mentioned, so I am an attorney by trade. Um, My husband and I met in law school. When, When we got married, I was sort of under the impression, the misconception that I would be able to work wherever I went. Um, I knew there were licensing difficulties, but I wanted to be a legal aid lawyer. I wanted to serve sort of low-income clients, um, again, back to sort of this rooted in service that our relationship always has been. Very quickly, I sort of realized that the licensing challenges were bigger than I expected. And so, like, we were in um, Fort Polk from 2008 to 2012. During that time, I became part of an organization called the Military Spouse JD Network. Uh, we are now a bar association, a professional organization of military spouses who are attorneys, and our primary um, focus has been on the licensing issue. Every time you move to a new jurisdiction or a new state, you have to take the bar exam in order to be able to practice law in that state. The bar exam is offered twice a year. Um, it costs anywhere from 1000 to $4,000 to register to take it. Um, it's really, really hard. It's a big investment of time and money. Um, if you want to be successful, you know, you can study on your own, but there are a lot of courses out there you would take as well. That's another two, dollars $3,000. Through the Military Spouse JD Network, we've really organized military spouse attorneys and we've advocated in the States for a licensing accommodation that allows military spouses to practice law as they enter a new jurisdiction if they're connected to a service member spouse. So, for example, if I were to, if my husband were to be transferred back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky which is on the Tennessee Kentucky border I would be able to wave in to the Tennessee bar and practice law in Tennessee for the duration of his orders as long as he was there and what this has done is it's really changed the landscape for military spouse attorneys and made it so you don't have to choose between your service members career or your career um, at least based on the licensing decision you know the military spouse JD Network started as two military spouses who found each other Um, At one point in time, we all thought we were the only one, the only person crazy enough to think that we could have a legal career and be married to someone in the active duty military. Uh, We're now a dues-paying organization with over 700 members. Um, We've changed the rules in 33 states Uh so that military spouse attorneys can continue their career as they move forward. But we've really expanded as well. We have um, a jobs program called Homefront to Hired. Um, we have great relationships with organizations like the United States Army Office of the Staff Judge Advocate, who has a database of military spouse attorney resumes that they pull from to fill new positions. So we've really made some very serious change for military spouses who want to continue their legal career. Um, there's a lot more to be done, um, and we have a lot, a lot of work ahead of us. Right? I said we have 33 states All that means is the hardest ones are left. (laughs) Sure, sure. So um, we're really looking forward to getting started in places like um, California and a couple of other places that have rules that were sort of done early that need a little bit of adjustment on the back end. Um, But it's been an incredible, incredible organization to be involved with, not just for the advocacy work, but also for the community that it's built. I try very hard to use the resources that the Army has for us, because I know if we don't use them, they'll go away. At the same time, there's something about being able to talk to another military spouse about your concerns, someone who speaks the same language that you have, that has the same lived experience that you have, that I'm not necessarily sure we would get in from the military itself or from the DoD. Um, so that has that community that we've built, that peer-to-peer community, has been really crucial both to the success of many military spouses, but to me personally as well. It's probably the most important part of the organization. It's the relationships that we've built on it. Our organization would not have been as successful as it has been if we weren't lawyers, but it really wouldn't have been as successful as it has been if we weren't military spouses right? Lawyers aren't known necessarily for their resiliency and their positivity. (laughs) Whereas our, you know, the, the spouses involved in our organization are. And it's because we have this shared service experience of being a military family, of being involved in things like homecomings and hails and farewells. You know, you get a different piece of civility or of society than you would if you're just out there as a professional as a as an attorney and so that's really how I think that's the key the secret sauce so to speak to our success
0: before we close I just wanted to ask if either one of you had advice for uh, military spouses and military families um, especially new military spouses
2: I think really is there's there's not a like one way to have a military family. And I think that at some point you have to realize that you've gotta just do what's best for your family. Don't worry if you went into it saying, we will never do this or we will never do that. If you get down the road and you have to do this or that, you do this or that. And I, I guess without being so vague is we were always the people that said, we will never choose separation. The army chooses it for us enough. And we are now faced with an impromptu move, an early seven-month move that we weren't expecting. And we are now exploring the option of sending my husband ahead, letting our 13-year-old finish out his school year, choosing separation. That might be what's best for our family at this time. It's okay. You're going to get curveballs thrown at you. Take them as they come. Figure it out and do what's best for your family.
1: And I just, I want to wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that's the best thing that you can do. There is no one path. Um, there's no right way. Uh, and there's no playbook either. Um, I know when I first got married um, to my husband and I felt like I was the only one, the only lawyer married to a service member, which again, I am not. I would go and I would read blogs and I'd you know, do my research, right? Because I'm a nerd, that's what I do. I thought I needed a model. I thought I needed someone to show me the way. Um, I'm a little bit more seasoned now, I, you know, I understand more that I can make my own model, and that's been really key to our success, you know, we, we did the same thing, we, um, we were stationed here in DC and my husband got a PCS to a school for 10 months, right, and it's about two hours away in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we were faced with the idea that we would uproot the family for 10 months, we knew he would only be there 10 months or to stay here and choose separation. Again, we were that family who said, right, the military separates separates us enough, we are not gonna be separated again, Um, and we did it. And it sucked, (laughs) and halfway through I wanted to quit. (laughs) Um, But but we made it through and you make it to the other side, and I think think our kids are better for it. It was hard for them, Um, but he did get to come home every weekend, they did get to see him every weekend. We have friends who made that move, you know, who are local, but that was the best choice for them. And the hard part is not just um, giving yourself grace when you make those decisions, um, but also giving your peers grace. Don't judge. (laughs) You know, every family's path is different. And I have friends who have done that separation much, you know, much longer geographically and time-wise and who've really struggled with it. And the thing I've always said to them is, you can decide that you made the wrong decision, and no one's going to judge you. And if they do, they're probably not your friends, right? So you can you can adjust course, right? The military adjusts course if they're they're doing something and it's not working out. They adjust course. We can do the same thing, um, whether it's in our you know professional life or if it's with our family or our relationship with our friends, we can adjust course and that's fine. Everybody does it, but it's really key in the resiliency piece is giving yourself that grace to do so.
0: For additional information or ways to support military and veteran families, please visit mfri.purdue.edu.